You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super duper 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 successful. All right, so the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, Reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has plenty, not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. And that's Charles Dickens. Well, the title of today's show is, in everything, and I mean everything, give thanks. I want to thank all of you for listening. All right. I want to remind you, if you ever want to go back and re-listen to any of the old shows, all you have to do is go to my website, www.powerhh.com. If we're not friends on Facebook, make sure you find me on Facebook and add me as a friend. My name on Facebook is Mark Starr, M-A-R-K-S-T-A-R-R. On Instagram, it's at Coach Mark Speaks. Make sure you follow me because I post videos, motivational, inspirational videos every single day. All right. So that way you can tap into me a little bit more than just once a week. We also have a power and a half hour Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook and you want to join our group, that way you'll have access to all the videos that I put out. You can join our power and a half hour Facebook group. All right. Uh, I have a daily message service for those of my listeners in the United States to get these messages for free. All you have to do is text the letters BBD to 411247. That's BBD to 411247. All right. And don't forget, if you haven't downloaded my book yet, you can download it for free at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right. Let's go ahead and get started. We got an amazing show today. Profile number one, Amy Norman and Stella Ma. Now, Amy and Stella became best friends in the early 2000s while working at eBay, where they came up with an idea for an educational toy that would teach kids about world geography. Now, Amy's mother is from England, and her family moved between the UK and the United States every three years. Stella's parents were from China, and she has a degree in East Asian studies from Harvard and speaks Cantonese and Japanese. Amy a graduate of the Wharton Business School, figured that with both of their backgrounds, as well as both being graduates from the top universities in the United States, they would be able to easily secure financing for their startup. Now, at an investor conference in January of 2009, Amy and Stella pitched their startup to 75 potential funders, mostly men. Their idea, Little Passports, would deliver subscription-based geography themed activity kits via snail mail to six to 10 year olds for $10 and 95 cents a month. They were looking for $500,000 to spend on marketing, product development, and inventory. The feedback that they got was harsh. One investor said, one of the founders is pregnant with a second child and the other has a child already. There is no way that these two can do this. This was just one of more than 50 failed pitches. Now, after all the rejections, they scraped together 25000 each of their own money. Neither Amy or Stella had any background in developing educational materials. 
They brainstormed about the topics that they thought kids would consider fun, such as music, sports, games, and food. They created kits that included cardboard mini suitcases, stickers, souvenir-like paper made from South African elephant dung, and one-page letters from imaginary child travelers, Sam and Sophia, and they tested them with 50 families they found on Craigslist. They learned that kids still got excited about receiving packages in the mail and wanted the stuff to keep coming long beyond their trial period. Now, just before their April 2009 launch, Stella and Amy got a $175,000 commitment from a handful of angel investors. Now, just when they thought that everything would be smooth sailing after receiving funding, the bottom fell out for Amy's world as everything began to go terribly wrong. She was eight months pregnant with her second child when her marriage ended unexpectedly. After she gave birth, she came down with a case of Bell's palsy. Two months later, her father was diagnosed with cancer and told he only had four months to live. What else could go wrong for this lady? Now, this was a horrible time for her in her life as all of her friends encouraged her to look for a job with a steady paycheck. Instead, she stuck with the business. Amy says that she needed something to pull her out of this horrible place and little passports was that for her. Stella recruited her mother and sister to pack and ship the first deliveries from her dining room. Stella and Amy agreed not to take paychecks and worked from home for almost a year before renting a cramped raw space in San Francisco. They were receiving most of the items in their kits from China, so they would have to wait for up to six months for deliveries, which made it tough to manage cash flow. Amy recalls nights that she was in her bathroom throwing up from stress. Although things started out rough, nearly eight years later, Amy and Stella have built Little Passports into a business loved by its fans with four product lines and expected 2016 revenues of $30 million, double what it grossed in 2015. Now, even though they raised $5 million in angel money along the way, their failure to attract venture capital has had its benefits. They have been able to grow carefully and sustainably without squandering cash on marketing experience that didn't work and on offices with more space than required or on employees who they weren't certain would add value and fit into their culture. This forced them to stand on their own feet early on and forced them to be disciplined. Them not getting that money that they wanted in the beginning was probably the best thing that happened for them. I always hear a lot of people talk about, man, I don't have the money I need to start the business. Start the business anyway. Figure out how to start it anyway. Because you know what? Sometimes having money, having a bunch of money up front is the worst thing because you don't know what you're doing. I've seen so many people start a business with a bunch of money and they end up losing it all because you don't know what you're doing. It's best to always start a business with very little money. That way, if you mess up, you're not really messing up any money because trust me, you're going to mess up along the way. I can promise you that. Nobody has it completely figured out. You're going to mess up along the way. So it's better that you mess up when you don't have any money. And at the right time, that's when you'll get the money that you need to bring your business forward. Profile number two, Joe Thomas Sr. 
Now, at the age of 55 years, Joe Thomas Sr. became the oldest man to play Division I college football. Joe is the father of Joe Thomas Jr., a linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. Joe Sr. had been playing for South Carolina State's scout team, which imitates the plays of the upcoming opponent. After his construction business failed back during the recession, he enrolled at South Carolina State to pursue an engineering degree and play alongside his son, Joe Jr. Joe Sr. has had to overcome many obstacles besides his age, including torn knee ligaments that he suffered in an auto accident. Now, during the game, Joe carried the ball four times. Joe would go on to earn the game ball in his team's 30-0 victory over Savannah State and was carried off the field on his teammates' shoulders. Now, after the game at a news conference, Joe said, I felt like a hero. This was certainly one of the happiest days of my life. I always wanted to play college football, and I finally got the chance. Joe thanked the South Carolina State coaching staff and his teammates for the opportunity that he was waiting on for 36 years. Joe Sr. says, never give up on your dreams. Keep driving forward and don't listen to other people. Now, this is a clear example that no matter how old you are, you can still make your dreams come true. Here it is. This guy wanted to play college football all his life. He'd been waiting for this dream to happen for 36 years. Now, most people would say, if you're past 23, it's not going to happen. You're too old to play college football. Here it is. This guy wasn't 23. He wasn't even double that. He wasn't 46. He was 53 years old. But guess what? He held on to his dream, and he kept working towards his dream, and he made it happen. Profile number three, Ellen Langer's counterclockwise study now this is going to completely back up profile number two now ellen langer is a harvard psychologist who in 1979 in a radical experiment attempted to see how many of aging's negative effects could be manipulated and even erased by psychological intervention what ellen and her grad students thought was that maybe if you could put people in a psychological better setting one, they would associate with a better, younger version of themselves. Their bodies might follow along. Now, Ellen said that wherever you put the mind, you're also putting the body. Now, since Ellen couldn't actually send elderly people into the past, she decided to bring the past into the present. Ellen and her team would recreate the world of 1959 and ask subjects to live as though it were 20 years earlier. Now, to give you an idea of how the experiment started, it was described in the following. Eight men in their 70s stepped out of a van in front of a converted monastery in New Hampshire. They shuffled forward, a few of them arthritically stooped, a couple with canes. Then they passed through the door and entered a time warp. Perry Cuomo was playing on a vintage radio. I guess Perry Cuomo was a radio guy back in the 50s. I'm not sure. I didn't live then. Ed Sullivan welcomed guests on a black and white TV. Everything inside, including the books on the shelves and the magazines lying around, were designed to appear as it was 1959. The men didn't just reminisce about what things were like at that time. There was a control group that did that. 
They were instructed to behave as if it were actually 1959 while the control group lived in a similar environment but didn't act as if it were decades ago. They discussed historical events as if they were current news and no provisions were made that acknowledged the men's weakened physical state. No one carried their bags or helped them up the stairs or treated them like they were old. Nothing. No mirrors, no modern day clothing, no photos except portraits of their much younger selves spoiled the illusion that they had shaken off 20 years. A week later, both the control group and the experimental group showed improvements in physical strength, manual dexterity, gait, posture, perception, memory, cognition, taste sensitivity, hearing, and vision. Ellen also discovered that most of the improvements were much more significant in the group told to live as if it were actually 1959. 63% of them had better intelligence test scores at the end of the experiment than they did at the beginning, compared to 44% in the control group. Four independent volunteers who knew nothing about the study looked at before and after photos of the men in the experimental group and perceived those in the after photos as an average of two years younger than those in the before. Now, at the end of the study, the men who were just days before walking with canes and who seemed so frail just days before ended up playing an impromptu touch football game on the front lawn. Now, what Ellen determined was that many of the consequences of old age may be environmentally determined and thereby potentially reversed through manipulations of the environment. Now, what Ellen proved in this experiment was that our thinking and our environment determines the age of our bodies. Now, the men in the study ended up having longer fingers. They were taller, they had a wider range of motion, they had lost weight, and they scored 63% better on their IQ tests just by thinking, just by thinking that they were younger. Now, what this story and the previous profile of Joe Thomas shows us is that the only limits that we have in life are the limits that we put on ourselves. Now, after listening to this, we can no longer use age as an excuse. There's actually a lot of truth in the saying that you're only as old as you think you are. Now, one of the hardest virtues for humans to practice is gratitude. In our society, we tend to focus on what we lack or on what other people have that we do not, especially in the age of social media. So many people tell me that they're so depressed in life because they're looking at other people's social media page and focusing on what they have instead of what they have. Now, gratitude is the complete opposite of that. Gratitude is the feeling of appreciation for what we already have. More than that, it's the recognition that the good in our life can come from something that is outside of us and outside of our control. Now, the Roman philosopher Cicero called gratitude not only the greatest of the virtues, but also the mother of all other virtues. Today, we are only beginning to experience what Cicero was able to see over 2,000 years ago. Now, there are many research studies that have linked gratitude with increased satisfaction, motivation, energy, better sleep and health, and reduced stress and sadness. 
Grateful people are much more engaged with their environment, which leads them to greater personal growth and self-acceptance and stronger feelings of purpose and meaning. Let's now take a look at some of the benefits of gratitude and how we can use these benefits to change our life. Number one, gratitude makes us happier. Research has shown that a five-minute-a-day gratitude journal can increase your long-term well-being by more than 10%. That's the same impact as doubling your income. Number two, gratitude makes people like us. Gratitude makes us nicer, more trusting, more social, and more appreciative. As a result, it helps us make more friends deepen our existing relationships, and improve the marriages for those of us that are married. Number three, gratitude makes us healthier. Now, in a research study in 2003 called Counting Blessings vs. Burdens, participants that kept a gratitude journal reported 16% fewer physical symptoms, 19% more time spent exercising, 10% less physical pain, 8% more sleep, and 25% increased sleep quality. Now, in another research study from 2004 called The Grateful Heart, the emotions of appreciation and gratitude were shown to induce the relaxation response. In a 2005 study called The Positive Psychology Progress, a gratitude visit reduced depressive symptoms by 35% for several weeks. A gratitude journal lowered depressive symptoms by 30 plus percent for as long as the practice was continued. And in 2007 study called Gratitude Effects on Perspectives and Blood Pressure, patients with hypertension were instructed to count their blessings once a week. There was a significant decrease in their systolic blood pressure. Number four, gratitude boosts our career. Now, gratitude makes you a more effective manager, helps you network, increases your decision-making capabilities, increases your productivity, and helps you get mentors and protégés. As a result, gratitude helps you achieve your career goals as well as making your workplace a more friendly and enjoyable place to be. And number five, gratitude strengthens our emotions. Gratitude reduces feelings of envy, makes our memories happier, and lets us experience good feelings and helps us bounce back from stress. Number six, gratitude makes us less self-centered. The very nature of gratitude is for us to focus on others. That way we can't be self-centered. Number seven, gratitude reduces feelings of envy. An attitude of envy and an attitude of gratitude are largely incompatible. It's impossible to feel both emotions at the same time. Now, when we are unable to come up with areas of our lives that we need to express gratitude in, we need to start asking ourselves better questions. Let's now look at some of the questions that we can ask ourselves to help us to become more grateful. Number one, what's one kind or thoughtful thing someone did for you recently? What's one kind or thoughtful thing someone did for you recently? Number two, who is always there for you and how do you feel about them? Number three, who has helped you become the person you are today and what's the top thing you thank them for? Number four, 
Who's someone who always listens when you talk and how does that affect you? Number five, what's the best thing that has happened today so far? Number six, what's something that inspired or touched you recently? Number seven, what's one thing you enjoyed about doing your job recently? Number eight, can you think of any non-physical gifts you received recently? Maybe someone's time, their attention, their understanding, or support. Number nine, what about today has been better than yesterday? Number 10, who have you enjoyed being around recently and why? Number 11, what have you learned recently that will help you in the future? Number 12, what made you laugh or smile today? Number 13, have you experienced any blessings in disguise lately? Things that didn't turn out as you'd hope and yet turned out for the best. Number 14, what was the last song you heard that you enjoyed? How did it make you feel and why? Number 15, what's one thing you experienced recently that made you feel a sense of wonder or awe? Number 16, what's improved about your life from this time last year? Number 17, what's something you're looking forward to in the future? Number 18, who made a positive difference in your life recently? Number 19, what choices have you made in the last five years that you thank yourself for making? And number 20, what's something you witnessed recently that reminded you that life is indeed good? Let's now look at a few ways that we can practice gratitude every day, not just on Thanksgiving. It's so important for us to make sure that we're practicing gratitude every single day. Some people are only thankful on Thanksgiving. That is absolutely crazy. And I can guarantee you this, those people probably end up not having a whole lot to be thankful for. So important for us to practice gratitude every single day. Let's look at a few ways that we can do this. Number one, Write a handwritten letter to someone you've never properly thanked. Send by mail or hand deliver if possible. Number two, create an appreciation calendar. Each day, write five things you're grateful for and put it on a calendar. Number three, turn everything into a gift. Instead of your normal coffee, think of that cup as the gift of coffee. Number four, Focus on something you're looking forward to and be grateful. Number five, say, I'm grateful for you to everything, everything that you touch today. Number six, enjoy the little things. With a small task you do today, such as washing your hands or texting a friend, ask yourself how your life would be without it. Number seven, look in the mirror and say, I appreciate you or I'm thankful for you. Number eight, reach out to an author whose book has changed your life and share your gratitude in an email or a letter. Number nine, share a positive post on social media about a friend, company, or product you truly love. Number 10, spend five minutes with your hand on your heart appreciating you and all of your hard work. Number 11, make a list of ways you've impressed yourself lately. Think about what the challenges in your life have taught you. 
Be thankful for the blessings in the lessons. Number 12, call your parents or children and tell them you appreciate them. And number 13, donate your time or money to an organization or charity you believe in. All right, well, that's all that we have for today's show. want to remind you, if you want to go back and re-listen to not only this show, but any of the previous shows, all you have to do is go to my website, www.powerhh.com. All right. Now, I want you to share this with three friends. Now, I know you got three friends that may not be the most thankful people, but you can go ahead and share this show with them. All right. We want our friends to get better just as we are getting better. So tell them about the station that you're listening to this show on. Or if they don't have access to that station, tell them they can go to my website, www.powerhh.com and re-listen to not only this show, but any of the other previous shows. All right. Don't forget, I love to hear your guys' comments, questions, and suggestions. So you can email me at Coach Mark Speaks. That's C-O-A-C-H-M-A-R-K-S-P-E-A-K-S at gmail.com. And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. What an awesome quote. And that's from William Arthur Ward. All right. Thank you much. And until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Star. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour. And join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network.